0: Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Tom Jacobs. Welcome to The Soul's Journey. Thanks for listening in. Today, I have an interesting show, uh, something you're not going to hear anywhere else, uh, at least in the, uh, the context and framing and depth that we're going to do this in. And that is looking at the journeys of soul of each uh, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And we're going to leave behind rhetoric, policy, politics, religion, personality. We're going to leave it all at the door and look at these two individuals as divine beings incarnating in order to learn lessons. So it's going to be a unique take. So uh, before that, we are going to set it up. I'm going to explain to you how I'm going to analyze the charts, because I want you to understand this different perspective. I've taken what I've learned from a, a handful of evolutionary astrologers who have been active over the last few decades, and I've added to it the perspectives that I've uh, gained from uh, channeling the Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth or Toth, and Saint Germain and Merlin – and also working with the spirits of the dead as a psychic medium, and combining all of that, so I, to understand the journey of soul, and uh, it's going to be it's it's, fa- it's absolutely fascinating. And people who actually know their charts intimately, even astrologers, you know, active for decades, will call me and say I'm interested in your take, and I and I tell them how I see their soul's journey, and they tell me they've never heard anything like it. And it's amazing, and they want to know more. And uh, so you actually can have that experience, too. Keep in mind, as you're listening to me talk about uh, these two particular divine beings who are in this uh, political race now, uh, keep in mind that uh, you can call me to get a reading of your own soul's journey. My number is Eric code 213-925-6019. And while I use the same exact four-step process that I'll delineate before we get into these charts – uh, it, 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 it shows how every human is the same with this simple method, uh, and then it also opens the door to reveal the variety of soul's journeys, the, the infinite divine variety of, of each of us making different choices, going down different paths, uh, having our lives look radically different from each other, but ultimately ending up in the same place, which is you know, energetic beings learning about what it means to be here, experiencing ourselves as tied to time. These principles that we're going to get into are outlined and explained in my book, The Soul's Journey One, Astrology, Reincarnation, and Karma with a Medium and Channel. Yes, it's a mouthful, but I couldn't make it any shorter because that's what it is. Uh, so you can get that on Amazon and Kindle and also through my site uh, as a paperback and also an ebook. That is uh, at tdjacobs.com. So that is going to be the bulk of the show. That's my intro. Um, first, I want to talk about the Pluto-Uranus squares. And we've had two of the seven squares, and uh, they have been all about pressuring us to change. And I'm going to explain more about Pluto and Capricorn, and then also Uranus and Aries, and the friction that they've been building uh, together and talk about uh, – and I'm also going to list the uh, the dates for the, for the other five squares between now and uh, – or May of this year and uh, about mid uh, – maybe March of 2015 – and I also want to talk very briefly about the mutual reception between Saturn and Scorpio and Pluto and Capricorn. So that is our roadmap for today. I don't think you need to strap yourself in. I don't think we're going to move so quickly that you're going to feel like jarred or anything. Uh, but that's the roadmap. That's the, that's the game plan. There is actually an ebook where I've, I've talked about uh, some of the stuff with the Pluto Uranus. And you can get an in-depth perspective because this is only going to be about five minutes here on the air. Um and it's in it's really about Pluto's twenty twelve retrograde, and that's part of the title, and uh and the square to Uranus scenarios, uh the first one. And so you can get that through Kindle on my site, Tdjacobs.com as well. Essentially, Pluto's transit through Capricorn, which is about fifteen years starting in early two thousand eight. Pluto is the is the cosmic bulldozer. This is how I think of it. It comes along and it surveys what you have built in any particular Arena of life. And it says, okay, five sevenths of what you've done here isn't working any longer. It's not authentic for how you've evolved, for how you've changed. So I have actually brought with me, they'll be here in two and a half minutes, a crew of bulldozers. And it's over. And you say, but I've spent so much time and energy. This is where my painting studio is. This is where we run with the dogs, whatever it is. Like this is, you know, this is where we do our chores. This is our hobby place. This is our home where we live in. And Pluto says, but it doesn't work for you anymore. So lots of times when we experience Pluto in transit, we come up against something that is outside our control. It's extremely difficult to come up against because we're meeting power. Now, in the end, we're supposed to make the decision that we'll survive no matter what. That's kind of skipping ahead through anything you can read or think about Pluto transits. Let me just tell you that that's the, that's the end game. For you to make the decision, I'm repeating it because it's that important, that you will survive no matter what. What takes you there is a challenge to what you have constructed. Have some faith that what is being bulldozed simply doesn't work anymore and should be replaced by something better suited to who you are in this moment. And the other thing is psychological motivation, right? Deep hidden truth is another thing about uh, you bringing the unconscious into the light of day is another thing with this with uh, Pluto transits. And when it comes around, you're supposed to let something go, release something. But then when you build something, have it be more authentic. And part of that has to do with acknowledging deeper levels of who you are, what you need, what you're willing to experience, what you can't deal with, all the deeper level. So sometimes Pluto transits this brick wall of reality that that seems impossible to get around. Sometimes what we're simply supposed to do is to meet this seeming impossible resistance from life or the universe and to say, A, I'm going to survive no matter what, but B, I'm willing to have faith that what's being bulldozed should be destroyed. Now, all of that's the basic thing on the Pluto transits. Now, that's happening in Capricorn right now, and a phrase I've been playing with, uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but it's real. I mean, it uh, is very, it's valid. Uh, since this happened in 2008, is who's your daddy? Because Capricorn is a sign of maturity, authority, structure, discipline, age, time, you know, respect, ambition, all these things. So Pluto entering Capricorn structures authority in our lives. You know, who's in charge of what has to be challenged. So, collectively, we're experiencing you know financial markets, we're experiencing banking issues, business problems, government issues, and how money works and the structures of all these things. And that's part of our collective experience here. Uh, in general, though, put on Capricorn is an invitation for you to take back your authority from anything uh, you've given it to. Anything. An idea of what an adult should be, that you maybe modeled when you were seven you know, you picked up an idea of what it meant to be responsible. But you know what? It's probably not working if, you know, if, if Pluto's is trying to bulldoze it. Um, and so Pluto and Capricorn is trying to get us to draw back our energy from what we've given our power to. That's the basic idea. But we do, some of us, um, I should say this. The vast majority of us, for at least a short time, though some of us for a longer time, will be kicking and screaming through the process because we don't want to give up identities. So any Capricorn identities, this is what I think respect is. This is what, this is the kind of respect that I want from you. You know, if I'm having any kind of old models that I'm carrying forward, naturally I'm going to draw people to me to be teachers who won't respect me, right? If my thing is about structure, I'm going to be confronted with my hang-ups about structure or my resistance to structure. You're supposed to be empowered through creating new structures in your life of all kinds and you know look in your chart to see where this is happening right to see what house uh what house cusp uh capricorn is on and where where pluto is transiting and uh, you can get a free chart at astro.com astrodienst it's a a swiss website that you can get a free chart and um Look at where this is happening in chart, and understand that 's the arena of life that this is supposed to be happening in for me it 's my third house, so it 's like the structure of mind, how I communicate you know it's it 's actually transiting over my third house, Jupiter in Capricorn, and the very fact that you 're listening to me right now is uh one of the results you know i 'm uh, beginning this broadcast you know several weeks ago, uh, revolutionizing or reworking. How my message is, how my third house, Jupiter, communicates. So we're, we're all being invited to do this, having this pressure. Oh, but it, but can work in, uh, over the long term and seem slow. But Pluto and Capricorn in general is, you know, all about authority, all about structure. Who's in charge of your life and what ideas in your head are you letting, uh, are you using to, uh, keep yourself, um, stuck in some way that Pluto wants you to, to become empowered out of? So that's the, that's the Pluto and Capricorn thing. Now, Uranus in general wants you to free yourself from any place you feel bored, uh bored to tears, bored stiff, bored to death, <laughs> half alive, half dead, like hemmed in, Uh anything that makes you feel dread. Uranus is the antidote. Uranus in transit comes around and says, you should not put up with that anymore. Oftentimes, we feel this sudden urge to create freedom. And so Uranus transits are notorious for sudden uh, changes. And sometimes, you know, if we refuse to do it, all right, we refuse to individuate is one way to look at Uranus in transit like this. If we refuse to do it, something happens for us that causes us to step into that new territory and free ourselves. Uh, Again, our identities attached to things in our lives that don't work, these are you know, basically headed for the chopping block. Uranus and Aries is about this instinct to be bold and free the self. Aries is about self-interested, unmediated action. Unmediated as in not thinking, not deliberating, not making a list and checking in with people. It's about creating freedom through instinct and impulse. So a lot of what the Uranus Uh, This approximately seven-year Uranus and Aries transit is for you to recover your willingness to trust your instinct. Now, that is square, which is friction and pressure, Pluto and Capricorn. Who's your daddy? Who's running your life? Who's in charge of you? So essentially, (laughs) you can kind of see where we're going with this. The square is each one says to the other one, you're doing it wrong. You have to change. So the planet of I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bulldoze you until you just until you decide to survive no matter what, and dig deep, become conscious of what is unconscious. Pluto, right in this in this hard edged sign of Capricorn, ruled by Saturn, having essentially an argument or a fight or a war with the planet of rebellion and breaking free, and I can't take this anymore in the sign of the warrior. So this is, this is all about power struggles. I guarantee you that how this is affecting you comes through as a power struggle. You might see it, uh, as based externally, but it's an internal thing that you're supposed to get to know, uh, what you're willing to put up with and why. And then set yourself free in order to create new structures, new ways of expressing yourself, uh, that do work. Put on Capricorn is gonna these these two these two things actually have a contrast when it comes to speed of how things are done put on capricorn this process is going to be slow this digging down like going into your psychic basement and then digging down four more stories sorting through all these layers of everything and then the uranus and aries actually moves very quickly and they are arguing about how best to do things so you're seeing dynamic tension in your life now when an, when an individual reads about this in uh, a, a novel or sees it played out on the small or big screen, this is what keeps us reading and watching. But when an individual is experiencing this in his her life, it's pressure. I have to make decisions. I have to change something. I have to alter my sense of self and who I think I am. So become willing, is my suggestion to you, of what's happening under the surface, what you're resisting, what you don't want to do. What you're not willing to experience, what you're, you know, become will, become willing to see all these things, to feel all that you can feel, and then please make decisions to change things. I just, I just gotta tell you, speaking of who's in charge of your life, and I, and I mentioned this, 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 uh, new radio show, uh, here in the third episode being one manifestation for me, uh, I was gonna kinda navigate when the right time might be to, to even mention this, but I, I will mention, I actually told uh, the producer here before we started that my dad spent his entire adult career on the radio. And uh, when I was a kid, probably 25 million people, well, that might be an exaggeration, about 22 million people asked me, well, don't you want to grow up to be just like him and be on the radio? Because he charmed people. And they loved him being on the radio and everybody loved him. Well, I had a very, uh, kind of contentious relationship with him. And every time somebody asked me that, I said, of course not, because I didn't want to become or turn into somebody with whom I had such a d- difficult relationship. So, uh, five years ago, maybe, uh, my spirit guides told me that radio was coming and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, that's actually the, the edited. Uh, for radio version, I actually got very upset about it because I had to deal with dad issues. So Pluto, actually, maybe it was when Pluto hit Capricorn four years ago that I really started having to have it confront this. But basically, the idea in my head that I shouldn't do radio was an authority figure in my world. I didn't want to become that kind of authority figure. So, you know, this is indicative of, of me responding to the invitation to set myself free to be in the present moment. The reality is that I did a bunch of podcasts people responded really well, but I kept having problems with the feeds, like technical problems that nobody seemed able to fix, short of you know me learning how to rewrite uh, an XML file, which, which is not going to happen. <laughs> so um, yeah, so anyway, so I'm setting myself free and you have the invitation to uh, do the exact same thing. Uh, what historical model of who you thought you were going to be or who you actually refused to be? You know, do you need to shed in order to get in the present moment in order to do something interesting, useful, wonderful, inspiring? Because that's how I think of this show and this opportunity to get these uh, get these words and ideas out to you. So set yourself free. Become aware of what's really running your life and then choose to set yourself free and take self-interested, impulsive, instinctive action. And if that's hard, do anything you can to get to the bottom of why you might hold yourself back and not trust instinct. We'll be talking about this more in the coming months and years because uh, these uh, squares are going to persist until we really get it or until 2015. So we had two. One was late June. The other one was uh, September 18th of this year. And then May of 2013, uh, late May, early November of 2013, and then um, end of April, mid-December of 2014 – and then March of 2015, mid-March, those are the, ne- uh, the next five. And so this is an unfolding story for all of us. So that takes us to our first break.
0: is here to evolve now we must understand ourselves on all levels it's time to live more consciously release the past heal our emotions and develop solid boundaries going forward what's the bottom line we need to be present A Living in the Present Tense Astrology Report by Tom Jacobs explores four points in your birth chart to help you upgrade your experience of energy and emotion. Pluto, Chiron, Lilith, and the asteroid Lucifer as Lightbringer are explained to help you heal and experience your multidimensional self. Readers call this report amazing, beautifully written, right on the mark. Join others living in the present tense today. Order your report through tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey Soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey Soundbite today at tdjacobs.com.
1: Welcome back to the soul's journey. This is Tom Jacobs, your host from tdjacobs.com. And uh, now we're going to, I'm going to explain to you the four step process I use to analyze karma and the soul's journey in a chart. We're going to do this overview briefly and then we're going to get into Obama's chart, uh, this interesting, unique perspective. Uh, the first step of the story uh, in this analysis is always Pluto. Actually, when you read the soul's journey one, you'll see Pluto is step number three. Everything I say in there about Pluto, I maintain, I I still stand with, but, uh, but the order I've altered a little. So the way I'm doing it now is I start with the soul's journey as opposed to the, the, the other step. So what the soul was really here to accomplish. Now, whatever you're experiencing, the soul is learning through that. You know, it's like two sides of one coin whether I'm happy or unhappy or fulfilled or unfulfilled, two sides of one coin, but the soul learns either way because we're focusing on themes. And, uh, this is explained, uh, in that, um, in that book, the soul's journey one. And also, um, just give you a heads up so you can look forward to it, uh, I'm actually preparing the soul's journey Two, which goes into this in more depth. Uh, all the things in Soul's Journey 1 get explained in more depth, and that'll be available soon. Uh, so keep an keep an eye out on my blog and, and Twitter and Facebook and my website, tdjacobs.com, for that. Um, but the soul's in empowerment journey is what Pluto represents. Now, the soul is divine source, is, you know, all that is, is goddess and god, blah, 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 insert your name of deity here. But... It has an intention for you to learn how to become empowered, so that you remember your strength, your creative power, and you can cease to feel separate from Source, from your own divine power as a as a creative being. Uh, but also, so you can learn to choose to opt out of duality as the site of empowerment. Essentially, we're all living through duality uh, because if I have strength, I might have done something that took it from somebody else, or that made it unavailable to somebody else. So ultimately, we're to remember our divine power as creators. Creating our experiences as we go. So the first step is Pluto. And there are two threads always we talk about. One is the empowerment journey that your soul intends you do. And on the personality level, you will feel this must be done in order for life to be worth living, or to feel worth living, and to be meaningful. And then the other thread are karmic issues, uh, problems, (laughs) speed bumps, Painful memories of when you have been disempowered or unempowered or powerless in, the, in this part of life. So that's the Pluto thing. That's step number one. Step number two is the south node of the moon. And given step number one, given what your soul intends you really learn how to do, step number two is about the kinds of conditioning environments that you as a soul sign up for to experience as a human. Essentially, it comes down to a lot about family system. Basically, the soul knows that when you're born as a human, you'll be helpless and clueless. <laughs> that's, the, that's the divine intent, that you will not remember, you will not be able to care for yourself. So you have to pick – uh, a kind of family system to train you. And so the south node represents conditioning that you receive, beliefs that are in play when you're born in your family system that you osmotically absorb, you know, clouds and and climates of um attitudes, beliefs, energies, emotional dynamics that are in play that you absorb when you're when you're a child. And then you grow up and see the world through that lens. That's the second step. The south node ruler of the moon is the third step. And while the south node is the environments that you keep finding yourself in and the colored lens through which you keep seeing the world and believing what's happening around you, south node ruler by sign is about your role, special skills, talents, what you show up with. And this is a level of identity beyond sun, moon, rising, or any personal planets uh, in the chart. So uh, example, south node ruler by sign, if you're south Node's in Taurus, I'm looking for Venus to tell me who you are in many lives. If it's uh, Capricorn, I'm looking for Saturn. So the South Node ruler by sign is the third step. And then the fourth step is uh, the North Node of the Moon. Because it's always in a chart opposite the South Node, it's what your family doesn't know. Your soul asked them to illustrate and uh, basically indoctrinate you in the South Node ways of being in your chart, however that's set up. And uh, they don't know how to teach you the other part. So it's what your family couldn't teach you, but you need to learn to be well rounded. And essentially, because we keep picking South Node kind of families, we find ourselves, um, uh, you know, ignorant, essentially, about the North Node. But we need to learn it. So sometimes we will draw teachers to us, and then we have an opportunity to expand in this new direction. We tend also to have prejudices about the North Node, because I would never want to be that kind of person, right? Because our comfort zone, the South Node, is opposite it. And so these are those other people. That's the fourth uh, fourth step. Um, I do go through this in the soul's journey sound bites uh, that are available through tdjacobs.com. These fifteen minute overviews of your karma, and then I also do. Um, uh that in a, in full readings as well again you can read about all this in the soul's journey 1 uh to to kind of take notes and and really get into the process so let's start with uh obama and you know this conversation about obama and romney and these two mini conversations they we're leaving politics personality rhetoric uh we're leaving policy you know we're leaving belief their beliefs at the door we're leaving personality out of it and one of the things I want to illustrate to you is to how to look at these charts with, while uh, ignoring all those things. <laughs> um, you know, when you're getting ready to vote, these things are become important. But I want you to see these individuals as the same as you, the same as me, the same as your mom and your sister, and even your cat and dog, uh, as souls incarnating to learn what it means to be here. So when you use this four-step process that I just outlined you are able to see how every single person is precisely the same but then you open it up to understand diversity as well to be able to appreciate aha you're south node in scorpio so so you keep picking families that are focused on trust and my south node's in libra i keep picking families that you know are focused on politeness so there's a difference in how we experience everything but there's a fundamental four step structure that it fits the soul's intentions about you know what we experience. So it's interesting because every single chart is exactly the same, but of course every single chart is you know unique, dynamic, interesting, and fascinating. But this is a way to open up the story in any chart, uh, and this is what I teach my students as well. And I also do tutoring. If you're interested in, in getting the inside scoop on this and practicing with me, uh, you can go to tjacobs.com and read more about that. So let's start with Obama. Obama has his Pluto in uh, Virgo in the seventh, and in fact, it's conjunct the north end, which is incredibly important, so we'll talk about that uh, in a moment. But basically, Pluto in the seventh says the soul's empowerment journey has to do with learning through relationship, learning through creating harmony, fairness, balance, and justice. The soul does not know how to do this, (laughs) but the soul, you know, the person doesn't know how to do it either. The seventh house, when we do it, it's not about these things. It's about trying to figure out the right way to do it. So Pluto in the seventh can become a professional negotiator, can also become somebody who believes that nobody's listening to him or her. The empowerment with Pluto in the seventh is I learn how to listen to you and I learn how to tell you where I am. And that's where we get this, this idea of negotiation, diplomacy, uh, when we talk about the archetype of Libra in and Venus. So Pluto in the seventh, people can see the world in terms of it not being fair. So, uh, lots of people I know with Pluto in the seventh expect to be treated unfairly. Now, uh, some of these people actually become activists because they see things that are not fair and they want to improve things. Part of the thing is that when you become a professional listening to others, you can actually, you know, if your heart's open, you can actually start to understand what they need. Now, this will come in play if you were a car salesperson. <laughs> or, uh, you know, or, or a vendor of any kind, or a politician. This can be very useful because you become a professional at listening. Now, Pluto's in Virgo. And this is a sign of making something better. Now, on one hand, we can, you know, we can look at this and say that you know Obama's multi-life journey has to do with him learning in relationship through making them better. Some people with this signature lose energy because they don't know when to stop serving others in a kind of hands-on way. The other thing to say about this is that uh, I mean, there's a, there are a million things I could I could talk about this symbol for you know for a couple hours by itself. Uh, but one of the things is that with Pluto in in the house of Venus, you're trying to create equality. With Pluto in in Virgo, you're actually experiencing inequality. So, and this has to do uh, with looking to learn something or become adept at something. You have to admit that you don't know it like to make something better. You actually have to go through a process of learning how to make something better. People who love Virgo stories always find themselves confronting what to do when it turns out they don't know something. So, uh, you know, this soul has a choice of, you know, to judge the self because he doesn't know how to do something or to ask others and to reach out and to make connections. And this was kind of one of the things, one of the, the, the kind of, um, uh, uh, two ends of the range here when we talk about this. Seeking equality, to create equality and learn how to do it right, but actually doing it through the lens of inequality. Like, maybe I don't know how to do this. Can you, can you teach me? And so if the person with Pluto and the Virgo in the Seventh decides not to judge him or herself, there's a, there's a great ability to absorb useful information from others, as well as to share and teach, because some of that inequality will be that he knows something that somebody else doesn't. Uh, that's the basic line on this Pluto. Um, anybody with Pluto in Virgo, and, and the years are approximately 1958 to about 1971, 72, because with the retrograde, it goes in and out, you know, uh, so 57 and 58, Pluto's in Virgo, 71, 72, you know, it goes back and forth, uh, between Virgo and Libra. But one of the things is that, uh, all of you people who have this are professional critics. So, uh, it's easy to judge yourself for what you haven't done quite well enough. And Pluto in Virgo can can have an underlying wound uh, at the soul level, this intense self-judgment that I didn't do it right. Sometimes this leads to being a workaholic. Uh, sometimes it's um, I, I want to take responsibility for you or for serving or for doing something better or improving something, but I might put so much pressure on myself because Plutonian stakes are always very high, right? My empowerment as a person, my ability to feel confident in life, rests on my ability to serve. So you can see a lot of um setup for pitfalls if I can't help you but I'm trying. If you refuse my help, <laughs> you know, if uh I've taken on five things and I can really only accomplish three, or I really only have three months to give to this project, but it's gonna take a year, what do I do? Because I said I would serve. It took responsibility for it. So in the end, people with Pluto and Virgo are learning about responsibility. And uh, ultimately, each of them get to the place where they have to decide how much responsibility they're willing to, uh, to take on. I work with people, uh, with clients in uh, individual sessions and coaching on uh, an ongoing basis who are overdoing things <clears throat> because they're judging that they didn't do something right in the past. So if that sounds like you, uh, give me a call. We can work together. It's important for you to to get to the place where you can see the real point of Pluto and Virgo, which is I, I serve, but at my own discretion, choosing where your energy goes. That's the first step of the story. I'm going to leave out, <clears throat> excuse me, some aspects here, and. Um, but when I get into this with with clients and, and in sound bites, I do talk about all the aspects. So now we shift focus to the South Node of the Moon, talking about the kinds of the kind of uh, emotional, energetic dynamics that are running through his family system. The South Node is in Aquarius in the first house. Now, South Node in the first is about individualism, leadership, war, physicality personality, you know, individual energy choices. Um and it's about standing apart, it's about rising to the occasion when something needs doing, right? The house of Mars and Aries. And in Aquarius there's an ob- there's an objective energy. There's an objective flavor, perhaps original, perhaps detached, and perhaps kind of not really caring or interested in what's happening, you know, in the present moment. Um and that's going to speak to something about his family system. Now, conjunct the south node are two bodies, Chiron and the asteroid Persephone, and they're both retrograde in Pisces. Um, Chiron is about energetic sensitivity and how we deal with emotion and the energy of difference. And Persephone is about, um, abducting ourselves into better realities. And both of these are actually covered in, uh, the book Living Myth, if you're interested in that. And there's a whole Chiron course. And as I mentioned last week, the, the Chiron book, um, that I offer. <clears throat> So you know he 's coming into a family system where the energy of difference plays a prominent role, and if you understand his um, ethnicity and this kind of family history of, of being here, being there, um, the kind of uh, parents um, with different nationalities and, and heritage and genetic lines, that 's part of this being different as uh, part of this being different. That runs through his family system, and um, usually with people who have Chiron in the first, they 're hypersensitive to the reactions of others to them. And they have to get to the place where they can just accept, uh, you know, compassionately that um, they carry the energy of difference. And others might get nervous or might not. And Chiron on the South Node very often has people uh, unsure how to deal with emotions. So you can be a judge on how you've observed uh, this particular individual and how he relates to heart and compassion. But as I observe him, being, <clears throat> being somebody who's very different, he has had to go through a Chironic process to accept the fact that he stands out pretty much no matter what he does, and to just accept that you know that people are are uh, seeing him as a unique individual, and he's at his current return, which deserves a whole other show. Um, so uh, that's something that's happening uh, on the current event front. Um, th- there is um, there is actually squares uh, to the nodes. There are squares to the nodes, and they are series. Vesta in uh, Taurus in the third house, and then also um, Nessus and Moon in Gemini in the fourth house. And so the squares of the nodes are unresolved issues. So Ceres, we'll just do some bullet point keywords here. Ceres is nurturing Vesta is dedication. Nessus is our relationship to our instinctive nature and living in two worlds, right? We're animals, but we play at being civilized. And the moon is happiness, safety, and security. All these things for him are unresolved issues, and he has to learn to make new choices uh, with them. So as he takes a leadership role, because he's got this bias towards first house south node, he also has to make sure that he it has – a home base that suits him well, and that's part of what this is about. The series and the moon being square the nodes, you know, near the IC moon from the fourth, and uh, it's going to be important for him to basically balance uh, this leadership role that, in many lives, he's going to be inclined to take, and the uh, and the needs of home, family, hearth, and his personal needs. Um, the third step of the story is a south node uh, ruler by sign, and we're actually going to get into that after the second break. So stay with us.
0: Twelve is here. To evolve now, we must understand ourselves on all levels. It's time to live more consciously, release the past, heal our emotions, and develop solid boundaries going forward. What's the bottom line? We need to be present. A Living in the Present Tense Astrology Report by Tom Jacobs explores four points in your birth chart to help you upgrade your experience of energy and emotion. Pluto, Chiron, Lilith, and the asteroid Lucifer as Lightbringer are explained to help you heal and experience your multidimensional self. Readers call this report amazing, beautifully written, right on the mark. Join others living in the present tense today. Order your report through tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey Soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey Soundbite today at tdjacobs.com.
1: Back to the soul's journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com, and today we're uh, talking about the soul's journey of Obama and Romney. We're we're, we're wrapping up uh, Obama here in a moment. Then we're going to get on to Romney. Um, talking about the South Node ruler is where we left off, and this is the only traditional thing that I do as far as sign rulership when I'm doing this karmic analysis. I can't explain to you why. It's just what I'm guided to do and what feels right. So the South Node ruler of Aquarius is uh, Saturn. Saturn's in Capricorn in the 12th. It's con- it's actually uh, it's retro, conjunct retro Jupiter in Aquarius in the 12th. So when a Southland ruler is in the 12th, there's a big vision. There's a big dream. Or there's a lot of mysticism or addiction or escapism. Uh, obviously we can uh, understand a little about his biography and see that there's thinking big in here. And um, he does have a couple of uh, oppositions that are worth talking about. Uh, basically he shows up as a Capricorn 12th figure But he carries Jupiter Aquarius energy that the retro says he has to do something differently, that he has to rethink something. Um, And so in certain lives, whatever big 12th house huge agenda he pursues, it actually leaves him burned out or it doesn't work for him so you know we can get to know him in this life his uh, biography and his personality and persona and see whether or not he in any way seems burned out at all but basically whatever big huge thing he does in a bunch of lives lots of times at the end of a life he says gosh i i wish i would have you know done something a little differently perhaps this life is a reflection of him doing it differently who knows um if you were sitting in front of me i could tune in intuitively and tell you but uh Uh, Beyond that, we, uh, you know, can just observe his uh, persona and life. Uh, but the Saturn is opposed to, uh, Mercury and the true black moon Lilith, and these are each an early Leo in the sixth. And this represents energies that block him. So, uh, you know, Lilith has to do with the wild and things that are uncontrollable and how we deal with nature and people who carry this wild feminine energy that can't be controlled and mercury is communication so essentially he's actually in, in trying to do this uh, huge mission he repeatedly comes up against frustration and having to explain things on a minute level which is mercury in the sixth opposing the south node ruler to others if you have Pluto on the seventh and you decided to you know, work with others, you know, if you've decided to give others the benefit of the doubt, then you probably have better communication skills and you can meet this head on if you're willing to take the time to do this. Um, and the other uh, aspect to talk about that's important is the quincunct. Which is about 150 degrees to Uranus and Leo in the seventh, and that has to do with being knocked off course by other people, by by Uranus people in Leo in the seventh, and that can be sudden events, that can be relationships that end suddenly, you know, traumatic death, it can be a sudden loss, and uh, I do, I said we're going to leave out all the uh, life, you know, real life stuff, but I was, you know, reading, refreshing a little bio and looking at how the the primary. parenting influence in his life, his grandmother uh, had died two days before he was elected uh, to office as president. And so that's a kind of thing that in some life might actually leave him uh, extremely challenged or knocked off course and the big vision being handicapped because of the emotional consequences of trauma. So that's kind of um, what to look at with that. And then the fourth step of the story, what, is, what his family couldn't teach him. Because they illustrate the south node, and it's Leo in the seventh house, and Pluto and Virgo and Uranus and Leo are both conjuncted, and that's very important. The basic thing is anything conjunct the north node, we don't know how to do, or we're not sure that we deserve to do it. We get to do it. And Pluto and Virgo in the seventh His people couldn't teach him those communication skills he's had to develop. How to reach out, give people the benefit of the doubt. How to listen to others. How to take responsibility for making something better. Whatever they're dealing with in the first house, first house Aquarius could be trauma. Actually, you know, they could be dealing with changing circumstance and not even being really connected to community. Is one way that that can happen. Um, and the other thing is, it's Uranus and Leo in the seventh to individuate within relationship, to choose relationships that uh, work best for him, to trade up. You know, If he's finding himself interacting with somebody and it's not original, it's not fresh, he will be bored. And so he's had the uh, the job in this life of learning that when nobody in his family system could teach him how to pick the right partners. And that's part of the, the North and the Seventh. And the last thing to say about this, with the South and the First, you often become conditioned to do things yourself. And the North and the Seventh says you have to learn to work with others. And oftentimes that means slowing down enough to be able to listen to them even if they wouldn't be people you would hang out with, <laughs> like, but learning to listen to the other. So that's, uh, that's kind of um, the bare-bones uh, skeletal uh, Soul's Journey soundbite for, for Obama. Um, now we're going to move on to, to Romney, and we have, a, we have a very different kind of story. I realize I didn't give you Obama's birth time. I'm going to do that now, and if you're listening to the recording, you can backtrack. But uh, Obama's uh, birth data – oh, hold on one second. August fourth, nineteen sixty one. This is a uh, readily available uh, seven twenty four p.m. in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, and then moving on to to Romney. Let me give you that now, so you can uh, you can do this. March twelfth, nineteen forty seven, nine fifty one a.m. in Detroit, Michigan. So you can follow along if you want to. Uh, so he, you know Romney has Pluto. In the fourth house, the house of home, family, clan, and nationality. The main focus with Pluto in the fourth is stability, security, and safety. Uh, Pluto is in Leo, a different sign, and that's about personal expression and being an individual and not being lost in a crowd. Uh, But it's also about taking things very personally. Right people with Puto and Leo in this generation is roughly 1938, but a little bit of 37, up to 1957, 58. You know, almost 20 years worth of births, and uh, basically these people take things personally. It's part of the soul's mission is to see themselves as a the center of what's going on, or, or to be deeply affected by what's happening, but on a personal level, they need to express their opinions. That's incredibly important. So Puto and Leo, in the fourth, he actually needs to be special in his family system. Now his Pluto is retrograde, so he has to rethink how some of that works. Uh, It's in a wide conjunction to Saturn uh, in the third, but also retrograde. And this has to do with the need at the soul level to become empowered as a human through uh, being an authority figure, being respected, being somebody who's in charge of things. And, uh, you know, being somebody who's viewed as competent and worthy of respect is a huge part of this. Now, um, this Pluto is opposite Venus and Aquarius in the 10th, and so he'll actually have relationships uh, in different lives that – and also the call of perhaps public service, but the way he is in the world, in business, in his community, uh, in politics, whatever it is. The way he is and what people ask him to do, because Venus represents other people and sometimes what they ask of us, uh, that can actually oppose his ability, can block and confront and challenge his ability to create stability, safety uh, within the home, so he's got some stuff to, to sort out about to sort out about uh, r- relationships and the right role of work and family and home in this life and many lives. Um, there is also a quincunx to uh, retrograde Mercury in Pisces in the eleventh and again it's about hundred and fifty degrees. And a is feeling knocked off course by something, and Mercury is uh, communication, Pisces is uh, surrender, go with the flow, and the 11th house is groups. So essentially, he's not only had problems because of his public role and public relationships in many lives about developing stability, but he's also had uh, some uh, difficult news or difficult expectations from groups of which he's a part that might keep him from really establishing security in the right way right that works best for him puto and leo um, so that's, that's the basic setup there. The second step of the story is the South Note of the Moon, and he has uh, his South and the Seventh, which is, of course, the opposite of where Obama has his own South Note. So, South and the Seventh, we get trained to uh, listen to others and to view ourselves in terms of our relationships. And uh, what I see most prominently for him over many lives is being defined by the expectations others have of him. Essentially, if I have my South and the Seventh, I want to make you happy. And I might end up defining myself in terms of what I see you need, want, or expect of me. So that's really critical. He does have uh, squares to the nodes, which indicate unresolved issues. And that's, again, this Mercury retro in Pisces in the 11th, conjunct Mars, same sign, same house. And that has to do with expressing will and aligning will and communication, mind, thought, and teachings and learning with something higher. But this, he keeps choosing something. He keeps choosing – it could be an ideology, actually. It could be a something that's in the group mind, right? The, the, the group mind that can actually become a mob mind. That's the pitfall in the 11th when we have a difficult karmic indicators or challenging indicators uh, that talk about karma in the 11th. So basically, Mars and Mercury are unresolved issues for him. He knows, let's say, four of the seven core principles of how best to do them. Well, he might rely on habits about those four. And shoot himself in the foot, or stick his foot in his mouth, alternately, right back and forth, because he relies on those things. Um, so that's it's kind of an interesting, kind of interesting thing there. Uh, one of the things that I saw about about that, uh, I was reading a, his biography, and there was a mention of his um, his father reversing an opinion on the Vietnam War, uh, and essentially putting himself out of contention for a party nomination uh, when he did that. And because his conscience woke up, something changed. And so uh, there's a thing in in Romney's family system about changing your mind and making a bold move that goes against the group mind, against the consensus that you agree to be a part of and how that can change you. And his uh, Romney's upset about that situation with his father and, uh, you know, it, it illustrates the the uh, quincunx between the Mars and Mercury and Pluto in the fourth, as well as the Mars, Mercury, and Pisces in the eleventh square the nodes. So this is a learning journey for him to learn about the right thing to believe in, to work towards, because the eleventh house is about how we create the future and, and how we set goals and the groups we ally with in order to make that happen. Nobody can create the future to be the way he or she wants. The third step of the story, South Node Ruler by sign – uh, Southland's in Sagittarius, and so the ruler is Jupiter. And Jupiter is in Scorpio in the sixth house, conjunct moon. So not only does Romney have Pluto in the fourth, the house of moon, he also has a Southland ruler, conjunct moon. So his ties to family and to nation and clan and his need for safety and security and stability are incredibly deep. Everywhere he turns, he's finding that he requires – Stability and security. Usually people with this kind of uh, moon karma uh, don't spend a lot of time in the public eye. But uh, just because they uh, require a solid home base and sometimes that uh, can take them away from giving a lot to work or something like this, uh, giving a lot to the public face. So uh, your South Node ruler in Scorpio says he's intense. And he's got um some learning he over many, many lives he'll experience all the wonderful things about Scorpio, honesty, truth, uh openness, um, you know, using sensitivity, you know, of others' psychological motivation of self and other, uh to make progress. And also he's gonna experience backstabbing in certain lives. He's gonna experience the power of truth. He's gonna be lied to. He's gonna find himself in a rock between a rock and a hard place and evaluate how important truth is. So different things in different lives that he's going to experience with that. And the Southland ruler in the sixth house, uh, you know, as I said, uh, with Obama's Southland ruler in the twelfth, there's a vision, there's a huge thing he's doing. Uh, and when talking about Southland ruler in the sixth house, the opposite house, he's actually rolling up his sleeves and he's working hard. Uh, not that the other wouldn't be working hard, but um, this is about concrete right here right now doing my homework making sure that i understand things and improving things and doing that in a scorpio way in an intense way so that's a lot of um that's a lot of personal intensity that is brought to work whatever the work is it doesn't matter what the work is and if you track how he's uh shaped his political career and then you track how he shaped his uh, professional career you'll see a lot of parallels with the kind of um you know, never, never kind of give up thing, like persistent. And that comes from Scorpio in the sixth house of South Node Ruler. And then the last step of the story uh, for Romney is the North Node of the Moon. And, um, the north node is in Gemini in the first house. Now, I always have to contrast when we talk about the nodes here, because the south node in, uh, Sagittarius is shaped by belief, and the north node in Gemini is supposed to open up to new perspectives. South node in the seventh is defined by relationships and expectations of others, from others, and also of of others. And the north node in the first says, I need to be independent. And so it's an interesting contrast with these, with these two individuals living these journeys with the, 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 the south nodes, you know, being in opposite houses. So that, that's the overview of, uh, of these two individuals. I hope that was uh, helpful for you. If you want the same overview, get a Soul's Journey soundbite and call me for uh, a reading uh, through tdjacobs.com or at 213-925-6019. And I'll explain to you what your soul is up to and why your life has been shaped the way it is. So with just a couple of minutes left here, I want to tell you about some upcoming events. And uh, I'll remind you, uh, as I mentioned last week, that the Chiron 2012 and the Aquarian Age, the book and also the 12-hour audio course are 20% off through my site, tdjacobs.com. This is incredibly important information for learning how to be compassionate, healing our own wounding, letting others off the hook, forgiveness. Living a heart-centered life is a huge thing in, in uh, our metaphysical world right now uh, that we're hearing from metaphysical sources, so incredibly important um, and then uh, there's one spot still left in the Energy is Money is Energy course in October, uh, starts on the 20th with class commitments on the 27th and then October, uh, November 3rd. And the last thing is the grounding and release full moon call with Ascended Master Jehudi, where I channel the Ascended Master to help you ground to the earth, clear blocks to connecting to the earth, which is energy, doing energy work on you while we're on the phone. And uh, that's happening on October 29th, and there's also a process of leading you through a set of affirmations related to the full moon. This is the uh Taurus full moon, so the sun's in Scorpio, conjunct Saturn. So it's kind of a, an interesting full moon where we're, where we're going to be aware – because the sun is there, of issues about authority, structure, discipline, power, power dynamics. And then we're going to be invited to do a tourist Moon process. And, and I will uh, uh, channel Jehudi to lead you through that on October 29th. And you can get the recording afterwards as well. So my name is Tom Jacobs. Thank you for listening to The Soul's Journey here on Contact Talk Radio. Uh, read more about my work and contact me through tdjacobs.com. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.